You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. A pinnacle of engineering. Kia EV6 GT. The most powerful Kia ever crafted. Right across South Australia, this is Sports Day. The summer edition of Sports Day SA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. You'll hear Sports Day SA every weeknight from 6pm with myself, Paul Bonza. And tonight, joining me, the 2008 Brownlow medalist and all-round good bloke, it's Adam Cooney. Coons, welcome. Bonds, good to be back with you on the revolving chair, which is the co-host chair. Now you've settled in for the long haul. You told me you were filling in for three weeks. Now yeah, you're working longer I've, than Wilds and Blighty. I've got a bit of an extension and I've got my own groove in this chair, so it's okay. Uh, <laughs> like Homer in his couch. That's it. Uh, big show tonight, mate. Uh, Australian Open update with Brett Phillips. BP is going to join us. Always a good chat. We love BP. He's the best in the business. And when you need a tennis update, you call on him first. And he speaks to everyone, but he speaks to us first and foremost. He speaks to us from the heart, BP. Uh, BP, the BBL finals are on. um, And we'll talk about the Heat and the Renegades from last night. The ABL finals, the Adelaide Giants are through to the big dance. 43 43 years without a win of the Claxton Shield. So exciting times in Adelaide. It is, and you're a big baseball man, so yeah. I look forward to getting the full uh, rundown and uh, comprehensive synopsis from you about that. Um, I'm looking forward to your top seven, the Kia top seven tonight. Uh, what do you got for us? What's the what's the topic of your top seven? Well, it's the top seven things as to why you'd go to the footy live compared to watching it at home by yourself or maybe with a couple of mates on TV. It just doesn't compare. So I've got the top seven reasons to get to the footy. That sounds awesome. All right. Uh, plus, we've got lots more and your calls and texts. 0427 That's the text line. And uh, phone 1300 736 736. So if you've got a reason why you should, before we get to Coon's top seven, if you've got a reason why you think going to the footy is better than watching it on TV, or maybe it's the other way around for you, text in 0427 one double six. All right, let's get into our hot topic. All thanks to Repco Authorised Service Centre. You can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre for expert car service. Book online at repcoservice.com. Sports Day SA. On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. All right, BBL finals are on. The Heat defeated the Renegades last night in the qualifier, which means they move on to play the Sixers at the SCG on Thursday night. Uh, Renegades, five for 162. Sean Marsh turned back the clock again. He does it it every year. 82 not out off 53. Amazing player, isn't he, Coons? Incredible. He'd have to be nearly 40 now, Sean Marsh, and he's ripped just about every muscle off the bone in his body, but (laughs) he keeps on keeping on. It was was a great knock. Uh, 82 unbeaten, as you mentioned, but... 
Jeez, uh, he, he looked pretty fatigued towards the end of it. He, did, he could hardly uh, cross over. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, I think uh, that might be his last game for the Big Bash. But you never know. He keeps hitting them like that. You just uh, keep rolling out every year until you start um, missing out. So still in good form, the old boy, but couldn't yeah. get it done. Could hardly pick up the bat at the end. Uh, Xavier Bartlett was fantastic for the Heat. Three for 18 off his four overs. Uh, he was named man of the match. But the Heat got the runs three wickets down. Kawaja... 59 off 47. Renshaw came in and smacked a couple of sixes at the end, 27 off 13. But they're going to lose these players, Coons. Well, that's the thing. So the, the big three are gone now. Kawaja's 59, uh, 59 and, and Renshaw 27, as you mentioned, blasted mm. quickly off 13 balls. They lose Marnus Labuschagne, who hasn't been in sparkling touch uh, in the big bash. She's been okay. But, yeah, three big names out. The Sixers will lose uh, their centurion, double centurion double in this centurion. competition in uh, Steve Smith. I think he's the only player in Sixers history to score a tonne. He so, is. yeah, they'll, they'll miss his big hitting. Generally not the um, most... Um, well, he's the most consistent um, big bash player in the last few years, Steve Smith. But, geez, he's had an unbelievable tournament since coming in this year. So, um, yeah, they lose all the big guns. Obviously, got to fly out soon. And they've got some cricket to play overseas. So, uh, all the big dogs are out. And uh, I think Perth, who are into the final, uh, they lose Ashton Agar, who will be spinning his way through to India. Yeah. Um, it's, Steve Smith's been amazing. He played four games and got named in the unofficial team of the year. <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, two centuries, and I think he got a 60 as well. He, uh, he's been pretty special. I, is, it, is it simply that the Sixers and the Scorchers go through to the final? Can you see the heat upsetting the Sixers on Thursday night? No, I can't. I think it'll be a Perth-Sydney final. As you mentioned, the the loss of those three big dogs um, will certainly hurt them, which means you don't want to upset your team coming into finals. You want a nice, stable, consistent side, and that might um, upset it too much. Although you mentioned that Steve Smith's absence will hurt as well um, going into that final. But I think it'll be Sydney and Perth and Perth to win it. Um, the weather... They're going to play an issue. Games in Sydney. Well, generally when there's a big game of cricket on, it does rain. So um, having said that, we, we were, having said that, we just had the Australian Open in Melbourne when it was 35 one day and then bucketing rain the next, which threw the scheduling into um, chaos. So uh, we shouldn't speak too much because um, every now and then it does rain in, in Melbourne too, which is where I currently am. I know you're uh, you're in Adelaide. I'd love to be back there. I'll be coming back soon though. Well, yeah. I think the next yeah, next couple of weeks I'll be venturing back. I'll take the caravan over and see the family. So I can't wait to get back there. I might even come in the studio and visit. Yeah, do that. That'll be great. And we might uh, catch up for a quiet cordial afterwards maybe. Uh, Adelaide Giants are through to the ABL Championship Series in the big dance. They defeated the Auckland Tuatara. In game three, 4-2 yesterday. They played two games yesterday because Saturday night got washed out. So they played an early game and then backed up again and played another nine innings. Um, good crowd in, tense. It was down to the wire. Tuatara had runners on base and they just needed three more outs, the Giants. Ball was hit to uh, right field and their captain, Geordie McArdle, dropped a sitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! So uh, and then they got the, got the uh, last out to advance through to the finals, which um, is a massive effort. Um, Forty-three years since the Adelaide Giants won a classic. Forty-three. That's up well, there. Well, do they do they go in favourites? Uh, well, in the other semi, 
the Brisbane Bandits, who have been the best team all year with the best record, I think they had a 30-win, 10-loss record, uh, they got knocked Andy. off by the Perth Heat. So the Perth Ooh. Heat uh, Perth Heat have made it through to the final and they split their series over the, over the year, the Giants and the Heat, although the Heat did come to Adelaide and give them a bit of a baseball lesson. So it'll be interesting. How about this, Adam Cooney? You probably don't know this, but if you finish top in your division and you're playing in the championship game, you have the choice of playing the first game at home. It's a three-game series. Or game two and three at home. Oh, so what do you choose if you if you're that? Do you, do you pick game two and three and win it at home? Do you try and steal a game on the road, or do you want that first win in a three game series? Well, you always want to get off to a positive start. Um, that's why you kick with the wind in the first quarter if you Correct. win the toss. Correct. But, so does that mean you you get game one and then three at home? No, you get game one, or yes. you get two and three. So it's oh, not really? one, two, yeah, cause, yeah, because they play over one weekend. So they'll play Friday night, probably in Perth, and then Saturday and Sunday in Adelaide. If that's oh, the way it goes, gee, that's t- that's actually quite a tough decision. A, yeah, Men's and I were talking you, about this the other day. It's a, yeah, it's a really hard decision. You want to get off to a flying start, and winning form is good form, but then. You lose the home advantage after that, so gee, that is that's that's rough. You should get one and three if you finish top, and yeah. only have to play one away from home, so you can bring it home. If you do lose the second game, bring it home, win the championship in front of you, the Claxton in front of your home fans. Not rolling in money, the Australian Baseball League, so <laughs> maybe the, the extra flight. It's building. They're still getting some good crowds, and, and it needs to keep growing. But they get some support from uh, Major League Baseball in the US. Oh, look, yeah, I, that, that, that'd be nice. That'd be yeah. handy. They've got a bit of cash over well, there. Well, they don't do. They? they do put a little bit in, and we get the players coming over. The, the Giants are associated with the Phillies, so we get a few Phillies players in that uh, lineup. But oh, very good. So, um, can we get an update on my favourite player, Quincy Lattimore? Quincy Lattimore, how's he going? Uh, he's going very well. He uh, had a good weekend. Didn't not didn't hit the lights out. Didn't have a great day with the bat, but none of the batters really had a great weekend. So it was all about the fielding. He took a couple of spectacular, uh, made a couple of spectacular plays in the outfield, took a really nice running catch where he almost caught it inside the diamond from left field. So he, for the old man, put the jets on and yes, got there got the, the skates end on in the swirly winds down at West Beach. So good luck to the Giants. Uh, we'll cover that and uh, probably speak to someone from the Adelaide Giants later in the week on the show as well. 43 years. They got to win it. Break the drought. They'll get it done. I think they'll get it done. Win the win the uh, win game one, and then just just bring it home from there. Don't worry about game three. Uh, get the first two done. Bit of golf for you, Coons. The Dubai Desert Classic. I don't know if you've seen any of this, but uh, Rory McIlroy has a three shot lead going into the final day. Well, I was watching a little bit of this last night, and a spectacular looking course. Oh, and it? I. I did see Rory McIlroy nearly uh, bust a hole in one on a par four, which was about 320 metres, which nearly as far as you drive it off the tee, Bonds. <laughs> not quite. Not quite. Maybe four drives off the tee. Um, <laughs> you add them together. Yeah, so he's got a three-shot lead. Um, there's seven players. At, he's at 15 under. There's a couple of players at 12 under. Dan Bradbury from England and Callum uh, Shinkwin from England. And then there's seven players... At 11 under, including Rory's mate Patrick Reed, uh, Ian Poulter, <laughs> and Richard Bland. Did you see that the other day where Patrick went up to say hello to Rory, and uh, Rory just stiffed him? 
Didn't give him too much. They're not the best of friends, I don't no. think. Particularly one where I don't think Roy's uh, too, uh, a bigger fan of Reedy. But not many people are on tour, are they? Are they caught um, in another controversy over the last couple of days as well, I read? Uh, one of his one of his drives got stuck in a tree. So that was the only controversy. But He, he did the old Adam Cooney, just flick it out into the middle of the <laughs> fairway. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Antonius Cleveland from the Adelaide 36ers has been nominated Defensive Player of the Year, one of the nominees, uh, along with Derek Favors from New Zealand and Shay Illy from Melbourne United. Um, yeah, he's uh, had, a, had a ripping year, uh, one of the shining lights for the 36ers, who, she's uh, so much hype, and then it all went pear-shaped um, early in the, in the season, um, losing one of their star imports, and then it just hasn't, it hasn't clicked for no, the 36ers no, this year. been... The most disappointing Sixers year in a long, long time. Mm. But uh, three other guys got nominated for MVP, the Andrew Gaze MVP. And it's uh, Bryce Cotton from Perth, Mitch Creek from South East Melbourne and Xavier Cooks from Sydney. You got a, you got a winner for us straight off the bat out of those three? Well, I speak to Corey Homicide Williams about this quite regularly, yep. and uh, I said Bryce Cotton's numbers have been phenomenal, and he said you cannot win the MVP if you're not in the top four. So he said he only wants winners uh, to win the MVP because uh, obviously the best player helps your side win. So Xavier Cooks is the man for the MVP. All right, uh, coming up on the show, it's Adam Cooney's Kia Top 7, the reasons why... You want to go to the footy and not watch it from home. So if you've got your thoughts on that, give us a text. 0427 154 166. This is the summer edition of Sports ASA with Paul Bonser and Adam Cooney. A pinnacle of engineering. Kia EV6 GT. The most powerful Kia ever crafted. Right across South Australia, this is Sports Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Paul Bonzer with you alongside Adam Cooney and uh, Coons. Um, good first, good first segment, I think. Not too bad. Yeah, good, good first over. Uh, if you if you're bowling, it'd be a maiden. We killed it. All right, um, you can text in 0427 154 We're about to go to. The Kia Top 7 and a new year means new year at Toolkit Depot. Toolkit Depot, your one-stop shop to get back on the tools. Sports Day SA. It's the final On Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Now just pump the, bike, pump the brakes a bit, Coons, because uh, Troy from WA is called in. Troy, welcome to Sports Day SA. Hey, boys, how are you? Very well, my friend. Ah, very good. I tried to catch up with Kane Corns. Is he, is he still running to Melbourne or has he gone past Melbourne now? <laughs> he's, been, he's gone all the way the round. He's nearly gone past Darwin. He was in Broome a couple of weeks ago. He's on his way down to you, Troy, I think. Yeah, I think he might have got caught up in the flood. Though. He might have to start swimming, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Swim, swim, hey, boys, triathlon. Um, yeah. Uh, the tennis. Now... You'll know why I wanted to ask Kane because he's always, you know, on about the women should um, play five setters. But I reckon it should be the other way around, boys. From what I heard I, well, this morning in that, with the women's final and the blokes' final, like they were both three setters, that the women's one was a better 
quality game in that. And I think that seriously, tennis should look at the blokes having just three sets because we want quality, not quantity in sport these days, boys. What's your opinion there? <laughs> well, sometimes the five setters go well into the night and we actually miss the drama of a five setter that can finish at two or, or three in the morning. If you've got to get up for work the next day, you just have to read about how this epic encounter was that went well into the night. So it's a fair point. I mean, some of them, um, you can get a quality match of tennis in three sets as we saw in the women's final. So uh, I don't, it doesn't bother me um, too much whether the women play five or the men play three, but I do think that it should be equal between the two. If they want to drop back and, and make the men play three sets, I think you'll still get a, a quality match of tennis, Troy, so good call. Thanks for your call, Troy. All right, Coons, let's get into this top seven. What do you got at number seven? Reasons why you'd rather go to the footy than watch it on TV. Number seven is you get to yell, holding the ball <laughs> as loud as you can. A hundred times a game with 30,000 screaming fans, even if your team member that you're watching has laid one glove on the player and they've handballed it off within half a second, you still have to yell out that holding the ball. And I think that's one of the great things about our game. Number six is the opposition banter and the crowd one-liners. You get some you get some rippers at the footy, as long as it's all good-natured banter back and forth. I think it's, uh, it's always a bit of fun. Absolutely. A bit of, a bit of, bit of crowd involvement. Number five um, is giving the umpire uh, PG-rated advice over the <laughs> fence so they can actually hear it. You can't, when you're at home yelling at your TV, it just doesn't have the same effect. So, And I think the umpires appreciate the feedback if they do get a decision wrong for someone to actually uh, point that out. They like over to the hear it a lot, I them. believe, yeah. Well, so keep yeah, that up, I've, everyone. I think everyone needs to be held accountable, um, particularly umpires, when they make a, a, a decision that may be incorrect for someone in the crowd to let them know. Number four is that a pie and a beer just hit different when you're at the footy. Agree. You, when you're at home, you've got to heat your own pie up. You know, the sauce doesn't taste the same as when you squeeze it out. You've got to ration your sauce when you're sitting at the footy. And I know generally they're only mid-strength out of a plastic cup and they cost 14 bucks, but there's just something about sitting there in the outer and having a pie and a beer at the footy that you just can't emulate at home. Completely agree. Number three. Number three is watching how hard a player has actually worked to get to the position that they're in. So quite often I, I take my young fella to the footy and uh, I, I, he wants to play as a winger at times and he wants to play as a ruck. So we, we watch the different um, positions of, of the players and I try and get him to keep an eye on, on one of them and just watch them for half a quarter. And, and quite often if I get to a Carlton game, I make him watch Sam Walsh. So uh, he's the hardest working player in the comp. So uh, you can't see that on TV. Number two is just the tension of a close game. Is is unmatched when you're when you're when you're at the footy and everyone's sitting around you. They're tense. They're tight. Uh, you just can't get that at home. And number one is just the vibe. The atmosphere at a game is completely electric, and you just need to go to the footy. So if you can't get there this year, it's the vibe. It's all about the vibe. It's the vibe. I made that lineup myself too. I didn't steal it from any uh, Australian movies. Uh, Mario texts in as well. He goes to the footy to hear the comedy gold that comes from the cheer squad. And uh, yep, our good friend SEN, uh, Barat Sundarason, is in here in Adelaide. He's just getting a th few things before he goes off to India tomorrow. He likes to watch the parents' reaction when their kids yell abuse at the umpires. <laughs> 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 so that's the parents' reaction going, how do you, what are you saying? Get back yeah. in your chair. Well, 
Where did you get that from? Yeah, who taught you that word? Uh, let's stream every NFL game live this season. NFL Game Pass. Visit nflgamepass.com. Coming up on the show, Brett Phillips from the Australian Open. We'll wrap that all up and talk about uh, BP's favourite bits of the Australian Open. And we might touch on the NFL as well. Coming up more here on the summer edition of Sports ASA. A pinnacle of engineering, Kia EV6 GT, the most powerful Kia ever crafted. Right across South Australia, this is Sports Day. You're listening to the summer edition of Sports Day SA with Paul Wanza and Adam Cooney. And uh, we're just sort of uh, here in a temporary, temporary uh, position as David Wildey and Malcolm Blight are the normal hosts of the show. It's their show and they will be back just before the start of the AFL footy season. So we don't mind looking after the show for a little while, do we, Keynes? Well, I'm more temporary than you. You're sort of semi, <laughs> semi-permanent. semi You've been in the chair for a while. I was in, intermittent. I only got the call up a few days ago. But I think I'll be back with you on Friday and then yes. maybe a couple of dates going forward in the yes. next couple of weeks before the big dogs get back in the chair for round one of the footy. Yeah, you can be part of the show. Uh, 0427 154 166. That's the text line. And coming up very shortly, we're going to talk Australian Open with Brett Phillips, the man that just everyone should talk to. If you want to talk about the Australian Open, he's the man to talk to. All right, well, uh, have some loss in the wash now. Thanks to our friends at Tire Power. Big holiday, sale, big holiday sale is on now. 25% off selected Kumo passenger and SUV tyres. Sports Day SA. I get no on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SEN SA. Played that just for you, Coons. Get knocked down, get back up again. Done mm, that a bit a of thumping. Well, generally, if I get knocked down, I don't really get back up. But <laughs> I'll go. I'll get up for you here, Bonds. Don't worry about that. I'm up and about. Some news from the Gold Coast Suns. Noah Anderson has put pen to paper on a new deal with the Suns, extending his time for a further four years. Oh boy. Yeah. Good news. He's a uh, he's 21 year old, uh, set to expire at the end of this year. Resigned to the end of 2027. That deal takes him through to free agency. Good signing for the Suns. That's a great signing for the Suns. And had a terrific season too in 2022. Uh, averaged uh, 25, 26 disposals. Was a star in the midfield. Unfortunately, they lost Isaac Rankin. Or fortunately, if you're an Adelaide Crows fans, they lost Isaac Rankin. So um, for a young player to commit for an extra four years is a huge sign that the club is heading in the right direction. And it's almost at the stage next year, or this year now, no excuses for the Gold Coast Suns. They have to be pushing and being contention for at least making the eight in the last three or four rounds to give them a crack at it. Well, here's a, here's a stat that Men's mentioned last week to us. Um, the Gold Coast Suns have never finished higher than 12th. Does that surprise you? Not really. Uh, they usually start pretty well and the second half of the year they fade out significantly. So we're sort of used to that. But they're, they're pushing harder and they're getting closer and they're getting to that age now where those sort of core players are getting to 22, 23 and they should be starting to dominate AFL footy. So Ben King coming back 
um, certainly will straighten him up. Hopefully he can kick him 50 or 60 goals and um, get them to at least 11th. <laughs> their forward line, you mentioned King, but their forward line does look a lot stronger with him there. Yes, um, it does. Chole and also Casbolt. Yeah, I think Casbolt even added something last year. Well, they were terrific together yeah. in the absence. Uh, that was It was a sort of a makeshift forward line. They both probably went up there um, thinking that they might be backup options and, and played pretty much the full year and did a really good job. So um, now you, you centre your forward line, obviously, around King, and, and if those other two can give him a chop out, then uh, it's a little bit of a bonus. Is it the toughest coaching job in the AFL? Well, there's a few frustrating coaching jobs you'd have in the AFL. Uh, I think North Melbourne are a real challenge, but they've got the best coach of the modern era to guide that club and turn them around. It's tough there. It's tough going at GWS because you don't get a lot of support. You get forgotten about um, a lot of the time. But I think in a professional sense, it's it's harder to get the players um, into that zone and into that environment because there is just no criticism of the players. Yeah. There is no real responsibility that they have up there. So you need ultra-professional guys to keep themselves going because they wouldn't they wouldn't hear a lot of negative press. And sometimes that can drive you when, you, when your club is, is down and um, it's in the middle of winter and you're in Victoria and you're the back page of the paper every day for not performing. That, that, can, that can steal you up and turn it around. But they just cruise along up there and the weather's always nice. You go for a surf after training and you can slip into that um, relaxed environment. And sometimes you need to be a bit more, um, a bit more assertive <laughs> in, with your career. Got another text in Coons that says that uh, Coons loves a sub vest, as in you're well, coming filling in for the yes. summer edition of Sports ASA. I've uh, had the dreaded sub vest one or two times. Also, when that was back in vogue, uh, once, uh, once or twice for being injured, I've had the red vest, and once due to form. So, never a good. Um, <laughs> never a good thing when you're halfway through the third quarter and you haven't had a touch for a while and the runner comes out and says, listen, just give us three or four minutes of hard burst and then come to the bench and then you run off. Before we get to, uh, before we get to Brett Phillips, um, just want to discuss the NFL. Um, a couple of results today. Two games today to see who plays in the Super Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles, 31, defeated the San Francisco 49ers, uh, 7. So that was a belting. But the other game was an absolute cracker. Kansas City Chiefs, 23. Oh, they're off to the Super Bowl to play the Eagles, who defeated the Cincinnati Bengals, 20. Did you see any of this, James? Yeah, I watched I, I watched um, the second game. The, the first game was a blowout. The second game was went right down to the wire. And Patrick Mahomes, who's the quarterback uh, for the Chiefs, was had a bad ankle and he couldn't run. But at his last play, just got them to a first down. And then a big fella from the opposition, uh, Joseph Osai, pushed Mahomes uh, outside the field of play, which gave them a 15-yard penalty, which put them within kicking distance and sealed the deal. So you feel for the big fella uh, because he injured his knee in that play as well. So Super Bowl coming up on Monday the 13th of Feb, but now it's time to catch up with the man himself, Brett Phillips at the Australian Open. It's time for our Australian Open update. Uh, All thanks to Kia EV6 GT, a pinnacle of engineering and the most powerful Kia ever crafted. Sports Day SA. When you spend your lifetime trying to get your hands on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. We welcome to uh, Brett Phillips to the summer edition of Sports Day SA, who's had a massive two weeks. Brett, welcome to the show. 
No, thank you very much, Paul Coons. Uh, good to be uh, good to be on the day after. Uh, well, what has been labelled uh, the best Australian Open ever? I can't remember if they said that last year or the year before that. But <laughs> hey, it's been great. I mean, it's a great two weeks, and uh, very lucky to be sort of working in uh, the internal part of it. Uh, so you, I, I probably see from a yeah different lens. Um, but when I was walking through, you know, Garden Square and Grand Slam Oval, I thought. One day, I just wouldn't mind being out there just for the day, just to soak it up from a totally different angle. And I couldn't believe the crowd in there last night, not only on Rod Laver Arena, but if, if, if I'd just been you know, tapped on the shoulder and woken up, I'll, you know, I thought I was at the World Cup at one point, the amount of people in a garden square. So, yeah, it was a phenomenal two weeks. How long has it been since you've been out with the people, BP, rather than behind the glass? <laughs> Probably since I supported Fitzroy, uh, Kern standing in the outer at you know, the oh. Witten Oval and Cadinia Park <laughs> and Moorabbin. And they were the days I was in the weeds. It was uh, fantastic. I love those days and I miss them, uh, miss them a lot. Uh, may they rest in peace, the Roy boys too, BP. I won't get you started because you'll start crying too early. We need you for about 10 good minutes here. So we'll leave that alone, park that to the side. Why did they say that it's the best Australian Open ever? What made it better than the rest? Well, they had a target certainly of uh, you know to get nine hundred thousand spectators through uh, through the doors, and it's an interesting one. I've heard it discussed today that the TV ratings were down on last year, but the attendance is up. And what what you what you realise when you're actually working at the Australian Open is that there are so many people who are there who don't even take in the tennis, so they wouldn't probably watch it on TV at home but they'll come to the tennis as an event who are congregating with friends, mates, or meeting you there, meeting you at that bar, I'll have a few drinks. Yeah, the tennis is on the big screen in the background, but they just love to stay there all night uh, on the balmy Melbourne nights and just enjoy being at you know, one of the most spectacular sporting events, if not the biggest, uh, you know, certainly in Melbourne. But you realise that not a lot, there's not a lot of tennis purists there. So, but that's what, that's what they've done a great job at, is turning a tournament into an actual event. Uh, and there's that much to do, even if you don't see one ball hit. Um, so I suppose you could declare it the best ever in terms of, yeah, the attendance. It's a bit like the uh, Adelaide Test match. A lot of people don't see a ball bowled at the Test match. Uh, Brett, let's talk about the women's final first. Uh, your selection to win the whole thing, won the whole thing. Sabalenka uh, won in three sets. Well, I think it's a great story. Uh, yeah, I've been really bullish about her for a while. I mean, I just remember, you know, when she came onto the scene as a 17, 18-year-old, she was a bit of a late developer, didn't play, you know, any of the junior grand slams. She just hit the ground running, you know, powerful, uh, loud on court. Um, you know, we've got a, a real sort of presence about her, those big, broad shoulders. And she's played uh, a, a huge power game. Yes, lost her way on serve about 12 months ago and had all sorts of issues uh, just basically... Um, you know, the game just unfolding out on court uh, where she couldn't hide and uh, serving double fold after double fold. And she went away, worked with a biomechanist and helped her improve that and, you know, watched vision, added more kick into her serve. And, you know, when I saw her in Adelaide uh, for that week leading into Melbourne, I thought, no, she's rectified this. And once you get into a grand battle with Arena, I mean, good luck. It's just, uh, you know, it's a tidal wave uh, coming at you. And, look, it was a hard-hitting final. I don't think I've seen... Not from recent memory, um, you know, two big ball strikers going toe-to-toe like that. And, you know, Sabalenka had to hold her nerve in the end. We hope that, you know, she, I think she what, served one double on match point, took a few championship points to get there. Uh, but she's been knocking on the door for a while, and she's always brought the game, the personality, 
And, uh, yeah, I think there will be, you know, certainly more Grand Slams for her down the track. To the men's now, and this is a couple of days old now, but the new uh, Kokonakis uh, brothers, uh, Jason Kubler and Rinky Hijikata, the doubles champs. Yeah. Jason Kubler uh, did really well in the in the singles as well, and, um, and Hijikata obviously run his, won his round one match. So extremely successful tournament for the, this pair. Well, we're doing something right in doubles, Coons. I mean, the, the Kays, uh, Matty Ebden and Purcell winning Wimbledon last year, and now, yeah, the wildcard pairing, and... Look, this is this is the benefit the Aussies uh, get in that uh, it's our home slam. It's at the discretion of Tennis Australia to pick wildcard pairings, and you know they they go with you know, often two singles players who don't really play a lot of doubles. But um, you know, I, I know that it, it's done to certainly help them financially. And if they win a round or two, good luck. So they don't really come in with any expectation. Here's a wildcard. Do your best. Have a bit of fun to see how you go. And these two sort of developed incredible energy out on the court, great synergy for two guys that hadn't been um, uh, in in unison, sort of just knowing the nuances of a doubles court. Then they beat the top seeds and they, they actually started to believe, a bit like Kokonakis Kyrgios the year before, that they could actually win the whole thing. And look, two terrific guys are really humble. Jason's a bit older, been through the six or seven knee ops, uh, 29. We hope there's still some really good singles. He should be aiming for top 50 this year. And Rinky should be aiming for top 100. And they might play a couple of doubles tournaments here and there, but it's probably unlikely their schedules are going to meet. But, hey, on the CV, they are Grand Slam champions forever. And, uh, yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. The match point, if you haven't seen it, was uh, sensational on Saturday night and and the crowd support they got. Yep, spot on. Can't take that away from them now. So you mentioned the, uh, they, they want to break into the top 150, respectively, and playing doubles at the moment can affect your singles game, but they need to do it financially. Um, how much do they take home for winning the whole thing? And do they, do they split the prize money 50-50, or do they get that prize money each as you, if you, if you Google the prize money? Uh, I haven't got it right in front of me, Coons. I'm just trying to think what the doubles prize money is. Uh, I'm guessing it's not 2.2 mil. No, no. It'd be probably it'd probably be about close to half a mil each, I think, somewhere around that mark. But I'd have to double check that. So, yeah, I mean, for these guys, it's pretty significant. I mean, Rinky's, uh, you know, pretty fresh and new on the ATP tour. Last year was his sort of first real crack at it, playing Nadal on centre court at... You know, the US Open taking a set off in, and, and obviously Jason's been around longer with that great run at Wimbledon uh, last year. So I, I wouldn't expect these two guys are going to play probably a lot of doubles. It was all the moment of the Australian Open and the summer. Uh, for example, like Rinky's gone down to, <laughs> to play the Bernie International. Uh, the, 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 oh the tip of Tasmania today on the little wreck. Chockies so to boil lollies. <laughs> yeah. So he's got a... But he's, He's got, to, he's got to play those events to obviously boost his ranking. If he wins a challenger this week, well, that's, you know, that, that does get him towards the top 100. Well, fantastic. Let's go on to uh, the men's final. Uh, Djokovic sits a pass. It was a hard-fought slog for the Joker, but in the end, was he really in trouble? No, I, I didn't think Sitsipas brought the level that uh, we knew he could. I, I think the way he started was... Um, was pretty ordinary, to be honest, uh, last yeah. night. And, and once you concede that first set, yeah. uh, your, your scoreboard pressure against you is just enormous. Look, he certainly dug in, and he had the advantage of serving first in the second. And, uh, you know, Novak couldn't sort of break his serve. Third set tie break again. Uh, but you always felt that uh, Djokovic was probably going to get him at some point. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, errors off that forehand last night. Uh, that 
kept racking up that stat all night and Novak kept peppering deep into the corners and putting a lot of pressure on that forehand. And I, I just didn't think Pass. Um, I didn't think he took the game on. And that's, this is the issue. And it's almost like these guys, they know the game plan they've got to adopt. I know it's, I know it's easier said than done against, you know, arguably the greatest of all time. Um, but it's almost like you're going to a bit of a freeze moment of just rallying with Djokovic, and Djokovic just loves that. It plays into his hands beautifully because he he will out rally anyone out on the court from the baseline. So yeah, Tsitsipas will uh, he'll live and learn. I think his time will come to win one, no doubt about that. He's a he's a great talent, uh, but Novak, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just it's incredible this record he's built at uh, Melbourne Park, and I, I dare to say there will probably be another uh, two or three Australian Opens that he could possibly win. Well, you mentioned the greatest of all time in that little spiel there. Uh, he even had the jacket with the 22 already on there. I know that was given to him just before he, he finished the game or as he finished um, and claimed the title. Is there any doubt that, that he will be the greatest of all time? <laughs> yeah, look, for me personally, it's sort of a discussion that I just sort of want to... I just want to sort of park and, and just enjoy the remainder of Nadal and, and Djokovic and then maybe sit down in 10, 15 years and peel all, all that apart. But I, I certainly understand, um, and, and I've, I've sort of maintained a fairly consistent thought when I've asked this question, Paul, is that, you know, to me, when I just close my eyes, I love Roger Federer. I love the way he played. Uh, to me, he's the greatest player I've watched. That's not to say I don't appreciate Djokovic. Where we sit in the bunker on RLA for the last two weeks, this guy's an incredible athlete. And his uh, flexibility, lateral movement, uh, his anticipation, uh, everything he's done to be the best, his mental resolve is just phenomenal. And, yes, I mean, he's going to break all the records. So if we're basing it on stats, there'll be, hands down, he will be uh, the greatest there was because he'll probably go past, you know, Margaret Court. I'm sure that's the aim, at least get 25. Uh, record number of weeks at world number one, the head-to-heads over his two biggest rivals. So it's going to be hard to argue, that's for sure. So he, he pointed to his head, then he, he pointed to his heart, and then we all saw he was pretty reserved, uh, shook the hand of Sitsipas, the umpire, and then once he got up to his box, we saw the emotion flow, and it was almost he couldn't c- control himself after that. Do, do you feel like he, he thought that that was his best Grand Slam victory of all? Yeah, and, he, and I listened to his presser, Coons, later, and... He, he sort of indicated that. Um, just, I suppose, uh, everything's gone through this two weeks, you know, with the injury, um, the situation with his father, and then going back 12 months ago, being deported from Australia and everything that went with that. He's a complex character, Novak. And, um, yeah, I mean, we've never seen him that outwardly emotional, that's for sure, you know, laying in the player box... Uh, but you know, I mean, you try and put yourself in in those shoes. How would you how would you react? Uh, I, I suppose also, 35 years of age. You know, these get harder to win. Uh, 36 this year, it's going to become even harder. Uh, particularly when you know, I want to see Carlos Alcaraz come back on the tour. We've missed him in the world number one. I want to see these two go head to head a little bit later on this year. So, yeah, I think it probably means a hell of a lot, like it did to Rafa 12 months ago. You know, 13 years apart when he won his first Australian Open. Uh, you probably don't quite think you're going to get to the you know, the top of the mountain again. So the um, the world number one at the moment, you, you mentioned Carlos Sakaraz. When is he expected back from injury? Yeah, well, he should be uh, he should be pretty close. I don't know if he'll play. I mean, February is a, a, a typical month where not a lot of the, the big line, the big name players play. There's a, there's a couple of events in the Middle East, Dubai and Doha, which are 500 events. So some will play, some won't, but most 
we'll have a you know, who go deep at the Australian Open will probably uh, not, not settle up the Indian Wells Miami right at the start of March. So. Yeah, either we're going to see Carlos late Feb or I think he'll be back certainly for Indian Wells, which um, I cannot wait. The desert, beautiful tournament. Is Alcaraz the next big thing in tennis? Like, is he one to take the mantle of... of or, and maybe who else is when there's no more Roger, there's no more Rafa, and, you know, three or four years' time when the Joker retires? Who are the next players that are, are going to fill that gap? Well, I think, yeah, he, he now has set himself apart from the young guys. Yeah. So he, the level he brought last year was just absolutely incredible. A, you know, a fun player to watch. Um, you know, a bit like Roger, could play any shot from any part of the court. Last year, he, you know, he used the drop shot uh, as, you know, as well executed as I've seen anyone. So there's sort of this there's, there's Carlos, there's Holger Rune, the young boy from Denmark who... More people in Australia got to see up close who cracked the top 10 last year. Yannick Sinner's gone back a couple of pegs, but you know Darren Cale in his corner, I think you know that partnership long-term will bear fruit. But it's interesting now because Zverev and uh, Berrettini, you know, Medvedev's dropped outside the top 10. Rublev can't get past a quarter-final, although he ran into Djokovic this week, so maybe we give him a, a little bit of a, a pass there. So I think there's been a real shift, but it is Alcaraz who is a few rungs above all those young guys at the moment. But now we want to see, can he take on Djokovic? And and uh, I, I want to see that battle, uh, you know, a few more head-to-heads, uh, hopefully this year. So in-match coaching is allowed this year. Um, we saw it up and close, particularly last night. It was pretty emotional at times between Goran Ivanisevic and Novak. Um, do you have an issue with that? There has been um, some debate around it. Is tennis sort of separate to a lot of other sports, which is quite unique in that um, when a player is battling out there by themselves, it's up to them to be able to work out what the opposition is doing. And that was one of the advantages that the better players have in the world. Do you have an issue with the in-match coaching? No, I love it. Uh, I love it, Coons, to be totally honest. I, I, I certainly understand. I had a good... Uh, not, not a debate, but just a discussion with Chris Cleary from the New York Times, who was part of our coverage on uh, SEN across the last uh, fortnight. And, and he is probably more of a traditionalist uh, who likes the fact that tennis has that unique aspect of uh, you just, you know, the player fending for themselves and thinking for themselves. But these coaches are paid a lot of money. They're part of the entourage. Yes, it's unique in that the, the player is the CEO effectively and can hire and fire in the coach whenever they like. Uh, but why shouldn't the coach have? you know, some sort of uh, influence. I mean, really, they've been coaching for a number of years, and this is why it became a hot topic, is because let's actually just get some black and white about this, because there was always the debate, you know, the hand gestures, are they giving any signals? Now, yeah. go back a year ago, Ever Asteraki Moore, the chair umpire from Greece, was asked to stand underneath the Pass coaching box <laughs> to see if she could pick up any words spoken. So, yeah, so the good part is now... You know, throughout, throughout a match, a coach can just sort of maybe lean over and point out one thing that might just help their player. And why not? I mean, that's, you know, coaching is part of every other sport. Um, and I, I, think it's, I think it's great. It was good theatre uh, at times as well. And, and the coaches had, you know, iPads in the box where they could, they could pick up things pretty quickly and see it from a totally different lens than the, than the player. I think it's great. All right, before we let you go, BP, uh, what was your highlight of the last two weeks? Yeah, good question. I mean, sometimes it's all a bit of a blur when you're covering uh, the tournament. I mean, look, the Murray Kokonakis uh, match was phenomenal because it went uh, went so late, and 
Yeah, the uh, you know the ebbs and flows in that match. I, I, I hope Fanasi hasn't uh, walked away uh, with that you know still in his brain. Hopefully, the people have got around him to say let's move on because it was a shattering loss uh, for him, uh, no doubt. And I think we got a we got a great women's final. I think I really enjoyed that uh, on Saturday night. And you know, three sets went down to the wire. Uh, you know, we had Ash Barty you know with a great uh, victory last year in the final. Uh, different circumstances, but. Yeah, there's a couple, uh, a couple off the top of my head. Thanks, BP. You've been fantastic over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we really appreciate your time coming on the show across the Australian Open. Uh, enjoy uh, the first serve and then have a little break, my friend. Indeed. No, thank you, guys. Pleasure. Brett Phillips from the Australian Open. He was there every day calling just about every game he could. And uh, Coons, um, great man to talk to about tennis. Well, he's the the doyen, he's the guru, and he's the busiest man uh, on radio during the last couple of weeks because he does about 30 to 40 crosses every day by phone and we all try and get a hold of him because you know that he's articulate and he knows his stuff. And he never says no. He says no. He always says yes. yes. He's a great Because he always pumps up the first serve, which is on tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Coons, uh, we got no time left. We're running, run out. So um, thanks for your... Uh, company today. It's been good. It's been a pleasure filling in. I'll hopefully do it again soon with you. All right. This has been the summer edition of Sports Day SA. A pinnacle of engineering. Kia EV6 GT. The most powerful Kia ever crafted. Right across South Australia. This is Sports Day.